Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Kia ora, welcome into Breakfast with the Kiwis for the 27th of May. Can you believe it? You probably can. The end of May is coming up. That's uh, duck shooting opening weekend, a distant memory, happier times, better times, simpler times. That's because we've got big racing this weekend at both Pukekohe and down the line at Trentham. It'll be heavy. It'll be testing. You want fit horses. You want horses that are willing to do it all for you and your hard-earned. Uh, the Breakfast with the Kiwis show. I'm filling in for Butch today. What a privilege that is. And uh, we're going to catch up with a couple of great racing people. Brendan Popwell. He is so well known to us at SENZ with the work he does via the TAB. And then, well, jumps jockey and trainer Sean Fannin, who is on a great run in his training career and well, we know what sort of weapon he is on the back of these jumpers heading down there at Trentham. It's the first jumps feature meeting of the year. Cannot wait for that. But before we get to Sean and find out how these jumpers are going to go and the capital, let's stay in the north and catch up with our man Brendan Popwell from Trackside and TAB. G'day, Pops. How you doing? Hey, Louis. Yeah, good morning to you. Yeah, I'm pretty good, thanks, mate. And you're gearing up for these wet tracks and it's going to be a testing old day coming up today out of counties. Is it what? How do you, what sort of change in philosophy or change in emotional state do you go through towards the end of May? <laughs> yeah, mate, look, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because you've got yourself horses that are a, looking for wet tracks but may not be ready for the wet tracks, horses that are hoping that maybe the track will come back to maybe an eight or a seven but are rolling the dice on a heavy track and may not cop it. Uh, so, and then you also add into the mixture you've got. Uh, inexperienced jockeys with claims, but they could be gold dust as well uh, on good horses. So there's a lot to put into the melting pot, so we'll try and put it all together and see if we can come up with something. Great point around the claimers, and there's a few of them. You can almost identify them at the start of winter racing each year. You know who can sit on a horse well, and you look at their claim, and you know that they're going to turn into massive assets and probably not have the fours and threes next to that A next to their name in the book by the time the uh, winter racing finishes. So it's a, a real asset, and I guess that's why it was so painful having that situation at Hastings earlier in the week. We had a soft six, and I think that'll be the last time we see a soft six in a while, Pops. Yeah, that's right. And because there were horses there that, that want a soft six, you know, they, they are looking to try and get one more run in before their preparation comes to an end. There was uh, a couple of good two-yard races there. Of course, we're going to have that meeting on Tuesday, and let's hope that that track is going to be in the right condition for that race meeting because it is important for those runners uh, looking towards a, a three-year-old preparation or maybe for others that are looking uh, towards that early spring racing. So, it is a battle, uh, but yeah, you're right with these apprentice jockeys. We do have a couple that are putting their name uh, up in lights. Uh, certainly like the way that Kelsey Hannon is riding, and Tristan Moodley is a four-kilo claim, but it very much uh, keep your eyes on uh, throughout the winter. Oh, Tristan Moodley's going to be robbery with that four kgs for a wee bit, and let's start there. Talk me through your theories around Butler, because I think last time I spoke to Al, uh, the shake, Chirac, um, he was suggesting that Darcy Labella might be his early spring horse. 
and Butler might be mm. put away until uh, you know telegraphy kind of railway season, and he's got that sort of opinion around him. No wonder why he's so smart. But he's back. He is back, and look from what I've tried to find, he hasn't had a jump out. Um, he's had a, he's had a good piece of work during the week to get himself ready. Uh, look, he is a class animal. I, I thought he was leading into the Foxbridge, the horse to beat in the Foxbridge, and we probably saw one of the best heavy track performances we've seen uh, from this season by Imperatriz, and then, of course, with what that horse was able to then go on and do through the summer months. Uh, look, it's quite incredible. Uh, so he, he ran into second position behind that horse uh, in a Foxbridge. That, that form just stands out, and it knocks you out in the face. Uh, you've also got the fact you've got a four-kilo claim of Tristram Moodley, a horse he likes to get through the wet ground. Look, he is the he is the number one pick in the race. Johnny Johnny's a very much a fast horse. He doesn't go second up. What will he be like third up? He's a horse who missed the start last time out, and he's better than that. And he's maybe a small field might help him if he doesn't get taken on. He could be the fly on the ointment to Butler because if he just keeps on running. But to be honest with you, Louie, it just comes to the class act at the top of the book with four kilos coming off the back from Butler. He's been back. That's the other key factor to this. He's 280 to 220, so clearly uh, the Naki Mafia uh, are keen to get involved. Oh, they always are. They're so, they love it. I was going to say they're sick for it, but we've got to stop saying that. They just love it. They love it, the Naki Mafia. You know what they're like, that crew down there. And, um, yeah, he's got to be hard to roll. There's a couple coming back to the races today, actually, that are of interest, including Turn the Ace in race two. Alan Nicholas, so good to see her back um, again riding after a couple of just niggling injuries that have been really unfortunate. But Turn the Ace, Forsman's got this Turn Me Loose scouting back after he finished last prep with a bang. That's right, and of course that was in July where he was able to win a winter championships race out of Ruakaka on a soft six, but he also has shown his liking us for a wet track. So that was back in July, he's had a trial to get himself ready. Off the trial you would say that both he and El Camino look to be ready. Uh, you're right around Ella Nicholas, an important two kilo claimer I think, just because she's had that experience from last winter, she's very capable and and a high chance that she can bring that, that claim down if she gets the right rides over the next two to three months. And this is a good ride for her. It's a runner that will like to sit close to speed. He'll, he'll more than likely look to try and dominate this race, to be honest with you, to bring that weight back to 57.5. I, I do think that Alchemy is the one to beat in the race. I did like her trial. She goes well fresh. She has one in the heavy state. Now she's had three starts on a heavy track for a win and two minor placings. I find it between those two horses just trying to lean towards uh, El Camille, who sits at that 350 as opposed to turn the ace, but really don't find too much between them. It's exciting to see him back at the races, so we'll see what he can produce fresh up. Uh, there's a stakes race. It's oh, lovely, and stakes for good stakes, $80,000 over the 14. Um, and this is an even bunch of two-year-olds, Pops. I had real trouble trying to declare one, and you've got horses like Paragon, at eight bucks and full tilt at seven dollars fifty, that are well and truly capable of winning this race, and even Ogulo for Clinton Isdale is not necessarily out of it. So, I mean, how do you find the winner here? Yeah, look, I think there's a couple of ways of trying to break this race down. First of all, you've got the solidify form line, and that's going to be a form line that Australian punters will be able to use today, coming up in the size produce stakes. He's a nice horse. Uh, he is tracking. Similar to, to uh, Sharp and Smart with what he's done in his two-year-old season and then heading to Brisbane. Not saying he's Sharp and Smart, but he also looks like he provides similar type of ability and maybe more 
uh, of a sort of a 14, 1600 metre type. So you've got horses like Salt Coats who bounced out of that solidified stakes race uh, back on the 6th of May. And you've got Phil Tilt, as you mentioned, who was beaten behind Solidify in the semi-final before going into that stakes race and running second and then finishing into fifth position. So they are good form lines and they need to be respected. He's a son of Ard Ross and his Salt Coats. I think he's the one to beat. I do like Chantilly Lace. She's having her seventh start to the races uh, coming up into this race today. Kelsey Hannon aboard. The key form line for me is two starts ago. She ran a cracking race when finishing fifth in our group one. Uh, and that being the money with two size poetry stakes. She's got an inside draw. I'd be keen to see if she can use it. And her last run behind Carbonatus, who's a very nice horse, he ran the right figures to say that he's a horse that can quickly go through the grades if he stays in this country. And he's and she's finished second behind that horse. Yes, beaten five lengths, but still a form reference. I'm keen to stick around. And the other one here we need to mention is the Onera and Egyptian Queen form line. Onera, a last start winner off the back of very good trial form. It was on a heavy 10 surface. An Egyptian queen who missed the start by two lengths and was beaten by half a length. It was definitely costly for her losing that uh, ground at the start of the race. She's been the market mover. She's 420 to 380, and another team have a good thought around her in terms of her ability. It's a hard race to break down, Louis. I'm just going with the race day experience of Chantilly Lace at a price. Oh, I hear you. It is a hard race to break down, uh, Brendan. Okay, let's rip through a few before we let you crack on with your life. Devastate versus Kabuji versus Mischief Manage versus Tanner. It's a nice three-year-old race, race four, the Mount Shop 14. Do you have a lead? Yeah, pretty keen on Devastate here. I've marked him as my best on the program. I think he's a runner that looks very well suited to being second up. He's won in that state. If you go back through his preparation, he won a Wellington Stakes on a heavy track. It was a heavy eight. And he did uh, did beat on that occasion Penny Wecker. Of course, Penny Wecker, a two-time Group 1 winner and one of those wins in Australia, uh, most recently in the Australian Oaks, where she finished third in that race. I like the fact that he'll be in a position of maybe outside leader. Uh, that should be a good spot for him and a chance to maybe even dictate the race from there. He'll get through the heavy track conditions. I, I like him. I think he's a bet uh, at $2.30. Yes, you're right. There are some nice horses in here. Beep Beep is a runner that has question marks on a heavy surface but was very good in a Cambridge Breeders. Mischief Manage finished third behind Penny Wicker in a New Zealand Oaks uh, and is one for one on the heavy track. And Kabuji, a very good run last time out. But I'm just happy to be with Devastate. He's got some weight, but I think he's got a class factor on his side as well. Let's uh, not, and I'm not disregarding the Dunstan Horse Feeds 14, but it's too confusing for my small brain. So let's jump to race six, the open, the open handicap, where I thought Crystallize was so big last week and um, third up fit. I know it's got a big weight, but Ace Lawson Carroll's going to claim down, taking a little bit of early money. Who's your top pick in the open sprint? Uh, I'm 15, bouncing between Crystal. Yeah, I'm bouncing between Crystallize and Thunder in this race. Crystallize, he, he's going to win races over this winter. He, he's he's done that uh, for the last three or four winters. He's a very good galloper once he gets miles on the clock. He does have that now with him being third up. He'll get track conditions that suit, and he's won at this venue. So they're all very good reasons to say he can be in amongst the fight. You're right, he's got 59 kilos to carry. His last couple of starts, he's, he's been beaten by Gosh Bodden, who's a good horse, uh, and he has to carry the 58 kilos, so he's He's got a little bit more putting to carry, but I think he's good enough to get through the track conditions. The horse with the lightweight and very much a horse that will get through conditions is Thunder. Very good run in that same race that I mentioned behind Crystallize when he's finished third, Crystallize has finished second. There wasn't much between them in the margins, and what we have here is a big difference uh, in weight. This horse get, brings it back to 53 and a half. 
There's a kilo swing in the weights in his favour because of crystallised going up to 59 kilos. That just might be enough uh, to say that Thunder can win the race. And you're getting a price. Uh, he's four dollars and eighty cents now, uh, with that money moving for Crystallised to four twenty. So I'll go Thunder just in front of Crystallised. Not much between them. I'm going to back them both. You've made the case. I think that's a good way to play it. I'm going to back them both there. They're yep. both at a, a backable prices, Pops. Hey, uh, races seven, the 75 mile, and races eight, the 65-21, are both similar to race five. They're very even. Is there any horse left on the program we haven't mentioned that you want to give a shout-out to before I let you go? Yeah, I don't mind Magdala in race number seven. I think she's getting close. She's a horse that's won six times and they've all been on heavy tracks. One of them's been here at her home surface. She gets weight relief. So race seven, number seven, Magdala. She looks a bit on the each way uh, off the back of her run over 1,600 metres. Same distance again today. I think she, she's a horse that can be worth looking into. And if you're looking towards the last race, we spoke about Alan Nicholas. I think Pacheco, uh, race conditions last time out were quite sticky. Uh, I don't know what sort of conditions we're going to get uh, coming up into this race meeting today, Louis, because we have had the rain, but we haven't mm. had any rain for the last couple of days. So that could be a problem by the time we get to the last race. A shower of rain would be lovely probably for all horses just to loosen the track condition up. But he's good enough to be right in this race uh, is Pacheco, uh, runner number three in race eight. I love the way you do your form pops. You make a hell of a lot of sense. It's a privilege to watch you on our screens and to hear you on our airwaves, and uh, we'll do that later on today as well, while simultaneously streaming the good oil out of some sort of speaker as well. We're all one big family, aren't we, mate? We are, mate. Yeah, I love the fact that you're multitasking as well, which is uh, a key component to, to 2023. So, yeah, no, no, all good, Louis, <laughs> anytime. Outstanding Brendan Popwell. As I say, we love to see and hear his thoughts around racing. And that is Pukakoi later on today. But the capital ah, jumps racing. It is that time of year, isn't it? Sean Fanning coming right up on Breakfast with the Kiwis.